0: this is the real magic podcast learn about great design and use it to get great results now your hosts greg merrilies and alan nunez Hello listener and thank you for joining Alan and I today for the Real Magic Design Podcast where we unpack our experience and help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing design and work together to make design that is profitable. I'm Greg from Studio One Design and here's my co-host Alan from pixelpartnershq.com. How are you buddy?
1: I'm awesome Greg. This is a little left of field from our normal design podcast and but it's super relevant to designers and business owners. We have an awesome guest sitting in the wings waiting for us and to be honest, Greg, if it's all right with you, I'd like to get straight in and have a chat to him. What do you think?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just want to add though that this guy is my personal infusionsoft guy for my business, and he does some amazing things. He's you know not just uh, good at all the you know the conversion aspect of email, but he really gets down to the technical implementation side of things. Like he really knows how to integrate everything from you know your email to your website and
1: everything else that connects to it so yeah let's get him in sweet g'day mark it is great to have you here today thank you for joining us on the real magic you have some skills that we business owners and designers often don't think about so it's really really good to have you here look just to give everybody a little bit of context mate can you give us a quick run through of you know what magic you actually work for your clients yeah, hey there, Alan
2: and Greg. Thanks for thanks for having me along. Look, I um, provide VisionSoft implementation services for my customers. So, um, you know, we do a lot of business process um, mapping and um, email marketing applicable to a lot of your. Um listeners, I think I, I come from a technical background, so I, I have a lot of a focus on you know making sure that things are set up right so that you're maximizing your conversions and you're you know getting the results out of things you want. So yeah, that's you know that's pretty much what I do. a lot of Fusion soft implementation, but a lot of the things that we'll probably talk about today are applicable no matter what CRM or email marketing tool
1: you're using. That made sense to me, and it probably made sense to, to Greg. I'm going to just rephrase that so that the listener doesn't tune out here and go, what on earth is Mark talking about? Because this is a big, hairy topic, right? Like, this is something that, that can be unbelievably complex, and that's why we've got Mark on the, on the call. So yeah, Mark is, uh, works with Infusionsoft, which is a sales and marketing automation tool. Mark, is that the best way to, to describe it? Yeah, that's definitely one aspect. It does e-commerce and, you know, a lot of other things, but that's a good good summary. Yeah, so essentially what it can do is it can take a lot of things that we might do manually in the, the sales, marketing, e-commerce parts of our business, and you can create really dynamic workflows that are, um, you know, based on things that consumers do in the process. So it doesn't have to be a – you know, people – use things like MailChimp to automate sending emails, for example. Well, Infusionsoft allows you to have more, more uh, dynamic uh, campaigns that, that work differently for different people. Um, and today in particular, we're talking about email delivery. So, and this is a big part of a lot of these systems and software is to be able to communicate cohesively with your with your clients, right, Mark?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's similar to the topic of things like, you know, your copy on your, your website or your SEO or, um, you know, if you're doing some marketing, you want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to ensure that, you know, you're reaching the customer, you're giving them the information that they want to read and, and uh, you know, you're not spamming them, you're not sending them stuff that they don't want to, you know, pay attention to and that you're actually, you know, reaching their inbox and not doing things that's going to count against you. Yeah,
0: nice, nice. Well, look, let's get into this. Greg, where do you think we should start? Mark's put together some, what what he calls the three pillars of inbox delivery. So do you want to just run over them to start with, Mark?
2: Yeah, totally. So basically from um, our perspective, there are three sort of the most important things to to focus on with your um, email content, um, um, email engagement, email reputation. So... um, Essentially, those are the three things: content, engagement, reputation, that help you ensure that you're going to get into the inbox as much as possible and increase your open rates. So, out of those, the engagement's probably the holy grail out of out of those three. But um, you know, each of them are important in their own right.
0: Yeah. So let's start with content then. So what are we talking? We're talking headlines and what you have in the body of the email, and we're talking images versus copy and all those sorts of things. Yeah, totally. So you know the subject line, the the second subject line, which is becoming
2: very relevant these days. With what's that? What's that? Basically, so a lot of people, you know, you you're getting, we're all getting a lot of emails these days, and you you're, you're scanning your inbox, um, and most um, most of us are doing it on mobile. Um, but even on the desktop you'll, you'll see a subject line and then you might see the first sentence or you know the first few um, words from the email underneath the subject and that's all just in your inbox you're not actually opening the email at that stage mm-hmm. so that those words there can make all the differences to whether somebody's in, you know thinking hey that's interesting I want to open it if it's just a, a, a URL or a, the words that say you know if, if you can't read this you know open it on the web or or it's a, just a you know a, a, an image and so therefore it just shows you the image name those things are going to uh, you know make it um, less likely that people are going to open your emails
0: i actually look at the person's name before i read the subject line okay how important is the name yeah well that's actually a good
2: point it's really important so that that comes across both in the um, reputation um, category but it's also part of your content so um, we, we definitely advise customers to make the emails personable so they should be coming from a person. Uh, obviously, it's really dependent on the um, the market and the niche that you're in as to how that goes. But generally, most tests show that um, if an email comes from an actual person, so it's coming from Greg Merrily's not from Studio One Admin or from you uh, know the Real Magic yep. or you know or, or Alan Nunez. Sorry, am I saying your name right, Alan? I've, I've...
1: <laughs> you are mate, you are. You can call him anything, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can call me whatever you like, <laughs> as long as you open my emails. <laughs> yeah, fair so um, it's always much better
2: because we like getting emails from people, and and we we have um, much better connections with people than we do with, say, an organisation name. So that's not to say that your organisation name and branding is not important. That is, but you know, when you're just trying to capture that, you know, that that one percent difference that might mean that your email gets opened, or and the other thing with that is it can also affect your deliverability. So the likes of Google and Microsoft look at those sort of things to say, okay, is this you know is this something that most of our users want to see in their inbox, or is this something that's spam, um, or is this something that we'll put into you know another folder? That you know both Google have their um, different folders now for putting content in, as well as um, Microsoft is starting to do it as well. So those sort of things can make a difference as to how they decide where to place your your email. Which you know at the end of the day, when you're a business owner or a marketer. You know, that's that's uh,
1: really vital. Yeah, look, I think just in, in that couple of minutes, right, if you're listening to this recording, go back and take some notes because um, these are fundamental mistakes that businesses big and small make. I mean, firstly, there's nothing worse for me than getting an email from do not reply at business name, <laughs> right, because it's, it's like it's screaming we don't care about you, the customer, you know. Um, I think also, too, people need to be – really consider especially business owners i mean business owners the great majority of of Designers and business owners might be sitting in front of their laptop or their computer on a daily basis. Actually, that's probably not true. But we need to think about the the mobile side of this. And Mark, you mentioned about seeing the preview of the of the email, right? In my Google G Suite mailbox, I don't. I only see the subject. I don't have the preview on at all. But definitely on my phone, when I'm scanning to make decisions on what stays in my inbox and what doesn't that preview has a huge impact if i can't see what that email is about i'm quite likely to swipe left and just archive it without even having a glance at that email and you're right i constantly see if you can't read this email click on the and i'm like well that doesn't tell me what the email is about sounds spammy to me it sounds like a mass-produced piece of content swipe Yep, exactly. Or, or
2: you know, just even if you have at the top that just says, you know, "Hi, Alan," and and that's all you see is the subject of the email, and underneath is "Hi, Alan." It doesn't tell you anything about the email. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a couple of things you can do to, to work around that. Some people just put a you know at the first sentence above the "Hi, Alan" part to say, you know some sort of impactful statement or interesting um, engaging statement that that drags you in and then they say hello to you or whatever, or they might include your name in that impactful statement. That that definitely, you know, all those sort of little things um, can make all the difference to, because we're all busy and we're all trying to figure out, you know, we've got hundreds of emails, which ones are important, which ones are interesting. You know, you want to you be able to have that little bit of an edge
0: over everyone else. And so speaking of content, right? So I remember back in the day, a lot of marketers would just send like an entire blog post, for instance, like an entire newsletter in an email. And and can you just sort of talk about is that still the trend or what are people doing now?
2: Yeah, so there's there's always been two schools of thoughts around long form and short form emails, and uh, you know to be honest, I have customers that do both, um, and you know different markets and different different industries sort of respond differently to those. However more often than not the short the punchy and engaging emails are you know tend to be consumed and and clicked on a lot more so click throughs are, are generally higher for an email that's got like you know, one small paragraph with a link and, and it's interesting and it's topical and it's something that they, you know, the person wants to read because then they can click the link and read it in their own time. You know, it opens in their browser, they might have a start to read and then they'll come back to it later, for example. But it also, when you're in your inbox, you don't want to be sitting there reading a, a novel. You know, you've, you don't have time to be reading through a long novel and like looking at lots of images and waiting for them to load. So yeah, generally we find that the short, um, you know, text-based emails tend to do much better with that sort
0: of thing yeah and so then for instance would you put let's say you're you're releasing a newsletter or some content some valuable content for the reader put it on your website and then just have a link in the email that links off to that web page is that a better way to go yeah definitely so yeah you would you would just be introducing or talking about your your article in a you know
2: interesting way that's a, you know makes it engaging that that makes them want to click through so and then they can
1: yeah read your article later i know we've got some important stuff to talk about with engagement and reputation but mark i'm going to uh, hit you with a few things on this content thing because you know, greg and i are designers and we very regularly have to battle with what the client thinks they need or what they think they want and what they actually need that will convert. And and I know we're going to talk about conversion and stuff like that, but I just want to, I want to throw a couple of things that I've seen and and get your, your opinion on uh, some of this stuff. So firstly, you know, long form versus short form, I find really, really interesting. And I think that everybody should test. I mean, Greg and I are always big advocates of testing different things. Um, You're right. Inboxes are, Uh, as described by a couple of friends of ours, um, you know, they're the to-do list that other people add to. So people are time poor. You know, you have to to get people's attention really, really quickly. And I've seen a few strategies that uh, for people that send long form that I think seem to work, and I don't know if you've seen this, but things like they're using things like square brackets and their particular... Uh, point of difference, their topic or their business name, then the subject. So it's really, really clear that that email is coming from them in the subject line and it's on a particular topic. And I find it almost respectful of my mailbox that I could choose to filter that and read it when I'm ready to read it rather than necessarily having to go into the email to make the discussion. Now, I do know that the people that I receive emails like that from, they've got the reputation from my point of view as a consumer, right? And I know that if I open their email, they are going to engage me. And I know it's going to be long form, but I know it's always content that I want to read or watch. So it'll either be a video that might be five to 10 minutes long, or it will be an article or something that really, you know, I know is important to me. So they've done the work to get, that engagement and that reputation for me and now they've chosen to respect me on it. What do you think about, you know, using your subject line to be very specific and tag a topic? Yeah, look, you know, I'm all about respecting um, your customers
2: and your contacts. Um, At the end of the day, business isn't about making a quick buck and then moving on. You know, you want to be delivering content and and looking after your customers. So anything you do, I mean, I would say there's probably two minds with people that do that. Some of it's um, they want to stand out, and so they do things like that with their subject line that makes their – You know, email unique, so you can see that it is this email that you're used to getting and, you know, you might be uh, interested in reading. But also, as you say, you know, if if it makes it easier for you to manage that um, and that makes you a happy customer or a happy contact, then, you know, that's all good for the business and it's good for you. So, yeah, definitely 100% on board with that sort of thing.
1: Uh, Here's the next one that I've I've seen done really, really well, where people have used things like Infusionsoft to automate parts of their sales follow-up process Um, things like uh, adding you know the forward or the re into the subject line so the fw uh, colon or the re colon and then the subject to make it look like it has continuity with the conversation do you think that's a little dodgy or do you think that that's again respectful to them that they know it's part of a thread I think you need to be careful with
2: things like that. There's actually, um, you know, for example, Infusionsoft has some rules around some things to do with that. So um, you've got to be careful. From a perspective of, you know, are you trying to trick the customer into thinking that it's, a uh, you know, something that I, uh, they've replied to or that, you know, that it's a, an ongoing conversation. So, yeah, I think you need to balance that with the expectations of the customer. For example, I got an email this morning that said, you know, re, sorry, you know, the invoice, sorry, sorry, it took so long for me to get you this invoice. And I opened it because, it, you know, instantly thought, oh, it's a conversation we've had before. But, you know, within a few seconds, I realized it was uh, just a phishing attempt. Oh, because it has re. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it can get you to open it, but then if you feel misled the minute you're open to the email, then, you know, you're, you're not actually achieving what you want to achieve as a marketer. You know, you're just you're just frustrating or upsetting your
1: um, your audience. So I, I think in this particular context, what was happening is they were using an, uh, a, a sales and marketing automation tool to assist the sales team in their follow ups over a 90 day period. Right, and what had happened is when they'd originally designed it, they just put subjects line like you know following up on our conversation or following up on the quote we sent you, and they weren't getting the the open rates or the replies. What they were fishing for was actually people to reply specifically to that email, not necessarily click through um, and the moment they added the re and they respected the subject line of the previous email there they got a lot more responses like maybe 15% which is huge I mean a change of 15% is a massive change in, in response rates.
2: Absolutely, and I mean the the idea behind that is you know a positive one. So they're actually trying to you know make it work well for them and for the customer. So I don't think you know you're not going to open that and feel cheated or or tricked. So you know it all comes down to the context of of what what you're doing. Um, you know it's amazing how changing a few words in the subject line. You know some words respond better than others. You know being careful with words like free or you know, uh, all those sort of little changes. And, and at the end of the day, as you said before, testing is is vital. You've got to test these things because every, every audience, every market is going to be a little bit different as to how they respond to different words and, and different phrases within your email and subject line. Oh,
1: uh, look, you, I have to bring this up. Sorry, Greg. I, I right? know you've got something to say, but <laughs> free, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because everybody thinks if they put the word free in their subject line, they're going to get better conversions and and we did a we did a a campaign for a client a couple of years ago where they were trying to fill a room of of in, it was in the automotive industry so they're trying to fill a room with mechanics right and they were sending out <clears throat> physical mail and emails saying you know, claim your free tickets to this event. Now, the event was a zero pitch event. It was purely informative. This company was doing like a two year campaign of education within their market to try and improve their sales. So they weren't there to sell anything. They were genuinely there to run training programs and they could not get anybody to show up to their events. They were getting, you know, they had a room that they could put 150 people in and they were getting 20 and 30, right? They changed the subject line to you have been allocated four tickets to your business for this event, right? Um, and then the obviously the body of the email, the content that that went with it supported that. And they're saying, listen, we're happy to give you four tickets. Do you have four mechanics? You need to reply to this to secure your tickets. Uh, if you need more, let us know. And all of a sudden they've they've got 150 people in their room because they took the word free out of their subject line. Absolutely,
2: it's amazing how big a difference you can make to your um, open rates and conversions just with a few simple changes like that And yeah, there are definitely some words to avoid, (laughs) free is one of them
0: (laughs) Cool, now we've been on content for quite a while and I want to get to engagement I'm just not sure where this question would fall, whether it's content or engagement But images, Mm -hmm. how do images affect conversions and should we be using them?
2: Yeah, so look, I mean, that probably is more still a content topic, but it's one that I think we should we should talk about because um, a lot of people believe that, you know, that they have more images and, and also more links is another one that people um, quite often go a little bit overboard with emails. They think, oh, I've got all this content on my website. I want to make sure people have got access to it. You know, let's have seven links. Um, and, you know, I've got these beautiful pictures that we've had and, you know, let's put four images on there about, you know, that show me and then show my dogs and show, you know, what the product looked like and and basically overproduce the email. Um, and there's definitely a lot of research that shows that the more images um, and more meaning anything over one, the more images you have is going to decrease your conversions. But not only that, you're also increasing the likelihood that you're um, not going to hit the inbox. So mm. that, that's an example where your content is actually being looked at by the email provider. And they're going to go. Well, you know, this is starting to look like it's more a brochure or a promotional material, or you know, because you know, other than your auntie from you know overseas that sends you, you know, those emails with seven pictures. Um, you know, most people don't send a lot of images in an email. They might send one image, you know, a selfie or something like that. Um, so you know, if, if the filtering goes, well, you've got seven images and 12 links. This is a promotional material, yeah, or this got is it. spam. you're much less likely to hit the inbox. So that starts to become the situation where your content really affects your um, deliverability into the inbox.
0: Yeah, and if we're talking about, like you said, seven images, so I guess that would be the same as like seven call to actions. It would convert, you'd have lower open rate, I'm assuming, because of the confusion factor than just having one, yeah? Yeah, there's
2: you know there's there's definitely an aspect to that as well. Um, my my focus is probably more on the fact that it's likely to get filtered more. Um, but yeah, the the more images, it's like you know where are you trying to draw the the person's attention to. Um, you know, and the call to action one is a good example. You know, you really just want one call to action per email, and if you've got more than that, then you're just confusing the you know, the sender and maybe you should be segmenting your uh, you know, your list better and sending to to different people one call to action versus the other. So
0: Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I guess the only time when I think it might be tricky are e commerce websites where they have a range of products that would be targeting that same niche. You know what I mean? So and they're just giving people a choice. Oh, the red shoe or the pink dress or you know what I mean? That's probably not a, a bad way to to have multiple call to actions.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, look, you know, all of these things are not hard, fast rules. You know, there's a lot of gray areas in, in any kind of marketing, um, and especially when it comes down to, you know, what gets filtered and what gets to the inbox. Um, so, you know, there's always going to be times when it actually makes sense to have multiple images Um uh, you know, there are certain um, businesses that do well with that, like, you know, sending a few images of different houses for a rental market property, for example, like, you know, um, but, you know, it depends on the market. Again, if mm. you've got somebody who's who's you have you know a lot about them and you know the sort of price range, they're interested in what properties they're interested in, sending them one good, you know, property image in an email is going to be more effective than sending them four, for example. So, yeah, you know, it's, it all comes down to how, how much you know about your um, the, the person who's receiving the email, and, um, you know, what your market and industry is. But, yeah you know, generally the rule is is you keep the images low.
0: Mm. And then just monitor whatever you're doing and, and then tweak according to the results, yeah? Test, test, test. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah, And,
2: cool. you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to do something that's against the rules. Yeah. Well, you know, not the bad rules, but, you know, it goes against the grain a little bit and does something a bit different and just see whether your, you know, your audience responds differently, so... Um, at the end of the day, you know we'll, we'll sit here and say that you, you should do this and you should do that, but uh,
1: you've got to test these things for yourself and see what works for you. Mate, uh, look, Greg and I could stay on this content topic for hours and hours and hours, right? But I, I think we need to move on because I think if we talk about engagement and reputation, then that's going to feed back to how we perceive the content that, that we deliver. So, you know, you said that the just sort of engagement is the, the holy grail. I mean, what is engagement? What, what do business owners and designers need to be thinking about as, a, as, as the result that they want to get from the engagement?
2: Yeah. So when I talk about engagement in this perspective, I'm I'm really talking about making sure that um, it's activity that the the person's taking that helps you get. Um, delivered and get into the inbox so what you know what actually improves that for you and so the things that the email providers look for um, might be different than what you're looking for for example as to what you want your customer to do but there is a bit of overlap there so things like opening the email obviously we want people to open the email if your people are opening the email the uh, email providers see that as positive you know if if people are opening in your email and reading them yeah, that's a plus against your um, engagement. Um, if they do things like uh, add your email address to like a safe sender list or to a whitelist or something like that, so that's quite often seen as a positive thing. If you get added to their address book, they think, well, you you know this person respects you enough that they want to add you to their address book. They're gonna, you know, this mm-hmm. this is an email that we want to keep delivering to them. Um, another good example is if say the email gets into the promotions tab in Google Gmail, but you drag it over to your inbox. You know Google's going to look at that positively and say, "Okay, that person wanted that content in their inbox." The more people that do that, the better that is for your engagement. Probably the the gold star for engagement is actually replying to an email. So you don't always want that as as a marketer because you're trying to get somebody to click or um, you know take some action like that. But um, if you can get your Uh, content uh, sorry your customers and your contacts to reply to an email say you might ask them a quick question you know and you're actually you know you're genuinely interested in their answer but you're also trying to get them to you know engage with you by replying that's that counts as a a huge um, gold
1: star for you as far as the email providers go. So so when you talk about engagement, it's it's kind of about how all these mysterious mechanisms in the background of the interweb perceive what you're doing. It's not just about the customer physically making a sale with you or taking the next step. There's a whole heap of other stuff. I've got a question for you, right? You know, a lot of these email broadcast uh, applications give you open rates, right? Now, is that... you know, does that uh, count as an open when I just sort of flick at it and look at it for one second and then archive it? And here's a secondary question to that. When I have build my filters in G Suite, I tick mark as read and move to this folder. So I have an email broadcasts folder for things that I want to be able to refer to, but I don't want in my inbox on a, on a daily basis. When I click mark as read, does that send a message back? saying that it's been opened? No, usually.
2: Um, so open rates is one of those uh, interesting statistics that uh, uh, probably a lot of people give way too much um, credence to. So um, the open rates can vary wildly. Um, they, the way they work is you usually have a little, little one by one pixel image on the email that the email marketing program adds um, that when you open the email, it then opens that image back and then says, hey, I've seen that image get opened by by Alan therefore we know that he opened the email however there's uh, you know there can be a lot of reasons why that image doesn't get opened so you can actually you know not open image and not uh, set your email application to not show images for example um, in which case you would you know be reading the email but the open rate wouldn't get measured and there can be examples where you as you say you have flicked open an email but then you've archived it straight away you're not actually reading it you're not really engaged but the, the the email marketing um, software sees the open and counts it. So open rates are one of those things that you don't really want to look at the exact figure. You just want to look at um, how much it varies for the same audience. And, you know, when it comes back to your question about having that uh, the rule that files things and and marks them as read, that can actually probably count a little bit against um, the people that are sending those emails, because, you know, unless you're spending time opening and going through them later, you know, they'll just see that you've filed them without, you know, much interest. And so if everybody's doing that to that particular company's emails, then they get, you know, a, a lower reputation score from the email provider.
1: Mm. Wow, that's really interesting. I feel bad for some of the people I file their e <laughs>
2: now. I wouldn't. It's a numbers game. I wouldn't worry too much individually what each, you know, one person does is not so important. It's, you know, the the maths that you know, yeah. makes all the difference.
0: And it seems like the open rate's nowhere near as important as either A engagement or B click through rate.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Th- those things, you know, that someone's actually taken an action. Interestingly enough, the email providers don't care too much for click rates. So, um, you know, people clicking on links and emails is, is just too common and people do it in spam. They do it for stupid reasons. So, um, but from an email marketing perspective, you know, somebody clicking on your link and, and actually, you know, going and visiting a site and maybe taking some further action that, you know, speaks much much more um, loudly than whether or not you've got a particular open rate. And you know, I get customers that will say, "Oh, my open rate's down two percent," or you know, "I I moved one platform to another and the open rate changed by three or four percent." But uh, a we have a look at how many emails they're sending, and that might mean that you know, twelve more people, you know, or fifty more people opened an email from one system to the other. But it also might mean that it's just tracking them slightly different. So uh, you really don't want to get caught up in little changes. You want to look at trends over time. Um, and how you know how, that, how your emails are trending with a particular audience over time.
0: Yeah, and it might also depend on the frequency, right Like a lot of marketers that have an offer or you know a limited time, whatever it is, they'll just pour on the emails every single day and obviously that's going to piss some people off you know um, exactly. And yeah so I guess are there any rules around frequency or, or you know how to keep, uh, an eye on engagement whether it's an open rate uh, sorry click-through rate or a reply etc yeah there's
2: some um, th- that could be dependent on whether you're doing something that's like a launch for example and and you know it's timely emails and and you know some people might have a launch and therefore they're sending an email every day for a week um, mm-hmm. and people are okay with that because they're interested in what's being launched you know that's why they opted in Um, and, and when I, you know, all this marketing we're talking about is opt in marketing. So we're not talking about emailing to people where you've purchased lists or, um, done anything, you know, dodgy like that. These are people that have gone, Hey, I'm interested in you and, you know, send me your stuff.
0: Yeah. And Mark, what I remember when we sent out a, um, uh, what was it? Six part podcast series, the first email, we gave them the choice to keep receiving emails about that podcast series or not. And so therefore it was relevant for the next five emails to people that own it. So that was really smart.
2: Yeah, so, so doing things like giving people the option, um, of opting out of that particular series of emails. Um, you know, maybe they're not interested in that topic, but they're still interested in you, your company and your other products. You want to give them another option other than just opting out completely. So you know, there lots of all those little things that you can do that, that can make all the difference to improving your reputation and and you know keeping your engagement high for you know your customers. But you should never be afraid of someone opting out. I mean, at the end of the day, if somebody's not interested in your message or your products, um, you don't want them on your list. You know, you're sending you're sending email to someone who might be just deleting your emails that affects your reputation. Um, so it's better actually have those people off your list or find a way. Where you actually, you know, send them something that does interest them by segmenting and, you know, making sure that you send emails that, that are relevant to them.
0: That makes sense. So don't do about a million spaces before you have your unsubscribe link oh, at the bottom yep, of the yep. email.
2: I have this argument with customers every day, but <laughs> yeah, they try and hide the unsubscribe, and I understand why, because you don't want people to click it accidentally, but. You know, the, the, the harder you make it for someone to unsubscribe, the more likely they're going to actually mark you as spam with the provider. And that mm-hmm. is 10 times worse because the more of those you get, you know, you're going to start hitting the spam folders of everybody. So, um, you and know, to that me, really, that, really hurt. Your yeah, advantage.
0: and that would, like, I'm, I get really upset with people that do that. So, to me, that's ruining their reputation because it's like, you're annoying me.
2: Exactly. Yep. So that's probably the biggest thing you want to avoid is, you know, you want to make it as easy as possible for people to say, hey, look, I'm not interested in you, but thanks anyway.
1: Yeah. So summarise for us, Mark, what are maybe the top two or three things that somebody could do to, to make sure they get into the e- inbox and actually engage with their audience? Yeah, so
2: um, it, it, it probably... You know, at the end of the day, it's really the things that we that we've covered about, um, you know, respecting your audience. So send them send them information that they you know are interested in. Um, make sure you're you're tracking. You know, w- what are people opening? What are people clicking on on my website? So that you know that when you're sending an email, you can segment your list and say, okay, I'm not sending the same email to everybody on my list. I'm going to send it to, you know, 25% are going to get information about this product because that's what they're interested in. Um, you know. Percent over here are going to get information about this new product because they are people that love the new stuff and shiny things. So, you know, definitely um, segmenting your your list and making sure that you're sending relevant content is probably one of the biggest things. Um, I would say, um, and and there's also some technical things that you need to get right with, and um, you know that lie underneath is the foundation. So you, you hear people talk about things like DKIM and SPF and DMARC, and um, you know all these funny stuff. Sort of, WTF? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I was actually going to get a t-shirt printed with that on it. You know, DKIM, SPF, WTF. But
0: it's um, <laughs> very you, but, Mark.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know. It made sense to me, but yeah. Um, the the the, the the thing there is that we we specialise in helping um, our customers get those set up correctly. So that what what those are essentially is is just a, a technical thing in the background that tells the email providers, hey, you're allowed to send email on behalf of Alan Nunes and or Greg Merrilies. You know, this this email that's coming from the real magic. You know, this is even though it's coming from Infusionsoft, I can see from the the DKIM record that. You know, Infusionsoft is allowed to send an email on behalf of the Real Magic, and that that just gives you that little bit of an extra um, boost and chance of and gets past the initial filtering, um, so that you can get into the inbox. And then then the rest is up to you. So you know th- that's sort of the thing you have to get right first, um, because if you've got that wrong and it's just going to the spam folder because you've got those things set wrong, um, then it doesn't matter whether you've got the best con- content and um, you know the best copy, anything like that. Then you know you're not, you're just not going to get in there. So you get those things set up right the SPF and the DKIM records um, and they're just DNS records it's you know super technical for this discussion but you know it's just one of those sort of things that we help our customers make sure they get right
0: yeah and if you do need a hand listener check out Mark's site at mappy.com and uh, ask him some questions over there yeah, totally. Um, you know, we're an infusionsoft shop, so we do that specifically for infusionsoft. But
2: I'm happy to give people advice on you know where to where to look or how to get that sorted for you know for other platforms. Getting that set up right is then you know that's your foundation, and then so everything you do on top of that is you know is my copy. You know, clear is it interesting? Is it is it not too sousy? Um, you know, Americans really love their their sousy pushy copy. Um, you try and take that copy and use it in you know markets like Australia and England and things, and you're just going to get you know rejected. So you know, it's got to be relevant for the audience. And you know, different people have audiences in different places. So those are probably the, the main things. And and just, you know, keep keep your reputation high by not being a, a spammy, you know, um,
1: douchebag nasty douchebag here, basically. Yeah. So They're killer tips, Mark. Thank you. That's okay. I think that's awesome. I mean there there is a lot of technical aspects to doing this and i've seen firsthand what happens if you don't set it up correctly you know just the proportion of emails that just get filtered to spam because in particular look mark you you may want to uh, enlighten me on this but i find that uh, microsoft outlook in particular especially for some of these bigger organizations have really stringent Spam filtering. I mean, you can lose a huge proportion of your deliverable emails straight into spam if you're sending from, you know, Alan at mybusiness.com, but it's via your broadcast program and you haven't set up all those acronyms and letters correctly.
2: Yeah, it's um, Microsoft's an interesting one. Their their filtering can be uh, a little bit tricky, even when you are doing all the right things. So. Um, you know, I've, seen, I've seen problems across the board with all the different providers at various times with um, um, the way Microsoft filter their emails. Most, most good email marketing companies like Infusionsoft actually have a good relationship with those companies and they work hard to you know, uh, make sure that's uh, not a problem. But you know, you're always going to have those fluctuations. Um, sometimes you know, uh, you'll get some provider will filter harder than others and you just have to, to go with the, the flow on that and do what you can to make sure that you've done everything right. I don't know. But yeah, that's yeah, it's it's definitely a factor. If you don't have those things set up right, they're gonna they're gonna filter you harder because they're getting hit all the time, you know. There's so much spam and phishing emails. It's, it's basically a never ending war between the spammers and um the people that are actually trying to send
1: genuine emails. And and you've got to keep an eye on what you're doing too, because they change all the time. I mean, I've seen situations where you know people have really successful automation in place and literally overnight their deliverables drop through the floor because Microsoft or Google has made a change to the way they, they filter. Or somebody else has been spamming using that particular delivery method. Yeah, yeah.
2: And a good example was a while back, Google started um, telling people in the emails whether the emails were encrypted or not. Um, and that was, you know, when encryption was this big topic in the news, you know, last year. And and that, you know, that was something that a lot of the providers then had to scramble and go, oh, we better start encrypting our emails because, you know, people see that little red flag and they think, oh, maybe that's less trustworthy. So it's a reputation thing. So yeah, it's a, it's a never-ending, um, never-ending sort of landscape there. So yeah, you definitely got to keep on top of those things. And that's why you got to work with someone Who's you know who's looking after those things for you and keeping on top of those things for you?
0: I love that, Mark. Well, Al, have you got any other questions? Because um, just respectful of the listener. No, I was just going to suggest
1: that we sort of summarise this down. I mean, there's <laughs> a lot in there, isn't it? Sorry, there was a lot of information I've uh, unloaded on you. No, it's all good. I think that the key things I got out of it, and Greg, maybe you can you can add yours afterwards. But you know, is firstly make sure you've got the technical side set up, and if you have to pay someone like. Mark, to get it done, just get it done, it's worth it, right? Yeah, well- The second thing is- Yep segment your your audience. You know, send them information that is relevant to them. It's not one size fits all.
0: That was my killer tip. Thanks, Al. Sorry. <laughs> that was my killer tip, buddy. Oh no,
1: I'm just I'm just summarizing. You can go back for a killer tip but give you another
0: one for you, Greg. Go, man. Go, go.
2: one of the ones is to like set proper expectations. So so like be clear with your customers about you you were asking before about, you know, one email a day versus, you know, yeah. one a week and things like that. You know, set those expectations early so the customer knows. You know what what you're going to be doing, and stick to it. You know, don't say you're going to be emailing once a week, and then start emailing once and, you know, once a day. And and conversely, don't say you're going to be emailing once a week, and then you, they don't hear from you for six months. So you know, just be consistent and and um and set good expectations.
0: And can you also like uh, I guess you can in Infusionsoft, but maybe not in all of these email marketing programs. But give people the choice down the bottom to manage their subscription, where they can choose daily or weekly or monthly.
2: Yeah. That, that, you can do things like that. That can be a little bit tricky to manage in the back end. I'll be really honest with you. The mm-hmm. the, the the weekly, monthly thing, because you know you might have a campaign and you, you want to sort of send a promotion. You've got to okay, when did we last send this email to somebody? And you know, so you're better off to to actually give them the option based on you know, hey, we're sending you this information. Is this something you're interested in? You can opt out of this particular oh, series. The way we did it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Otherwise, you know, you you don't want to you don't want to make your administration too tricky and run the risk of upsetting customers because you know they said oh i've only you know asked for one monthly and i've accidentally sent you twice this month so but yeah things like that can you know um or similar to that can definitely make a
0: difference fantastic mark cool so what would you like people to do if they want to uh, get in touch with you
2: yeah so look i've got a um a checklist that i've written up that basically goes through a lot of these things around content engagement reputation what you can do um, and check, you know, go through and check to make sure you're doing the things right to improve your chances of, of reaching the inbox and getting your emails open and, and having them convert. Um, so that, that um, is available to your viewers. I normally um, make people uh, grab that on my website, but I've given, uh, given that away for you guys to uh, download on mappy.com um, forward slash real
0: Oh, fantastic, Mark. That's awesome, man. Well, we'll put that uh, link in our show notes as well. Yeah, look, it's just, you know,
2: it's just really a simple checklist, but it can make all the difference to, you know, helping it increase those percentages and, you know, it's a numbers game, so everything helps.
0: Cool. And you're not even asking for an email address. That's amazing of you. So how's that for a uh, for generosity listener? And uh, by all means, go download it. And then, yeah, if you want to, you know, learn more or, or, you know, hire Mark, then by all means, reach out to him as well.
1: Cheers, Awesome, Mark. Thanks for being on The Real Magic, listener. We'd love a review on iTunes or a comment under this post. Uh, if you got, if you have any questions for Mark, you can comment under this post and we'll make sure that Mark answers it. Uh, we'll see you on the, the next episode. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more
0: at therealmagic.com.